You're listening to School Crack, Ireland's first and foremost Magic the Gathering podcast. I'm your host, David Wolf, and I'm joined here by... Kieran and Alan. Lads, how's it going? It is going fantastic. I've spent the whole week, weekend, losing it modern. I love it. My favorite. It is actually my favorite hobby the last few weeks, just getting absolutely trashed in modern. And, uh, you know, just, just eking out three twos and getting my, my one chest and opening it and get from getting five play points. It's uh, it's really where I'm at at the moment. I love it. <laughs> I uh, actually got into modern myself uh, on MTGO. I signed up for the card hoarder rental program uh, a month ago and you have to wait like a month to be i don't know i'm not sure what it is i think it's just to basically stop demand but uh i finally got kind of accepted into it or whatever so i signed up for that and got myself a uh, mardu death shadow deck well that's what i have at the moment and i haven't gotten around to buying tickets so i was just playing it in the tournament practice room but uh, it was pretty fun i played a few matches nice. but, uh, i'm ready to dive into a league i think Nice, that's awesome. We should we should play some uh, some matches on on the stream or something like that. Yeah, we can both be on Discord. Let's do it. Cool. I would actually sure. like more. Yeah, I would like more um, more practice in that matchup. Actually, I lost to it on stream earlier, as a, as Al can attest. Hmm. All right. Well, I got wrecked by the uh, Ranger Captain of Eos. You can't cast non-creature spells this turn. Uh, sacrifice ability. That is pretty good. Yeah, I, I have enjoyed that. I forgot that it had it for like the first couple of matches that I played. And I was like, wait a minute, there's the text goes outside the box. I should probably read the full thing. Yeah. <laughs> Danger. Because I, I was like, doesn't this do another thing? It gets me a, it gets me a one drop, but doesn't it do one more thing? Turns out it did a very important thing. Um, but yeah, so our, our stream is uh, twitch.tv forward slash Skullcrack, as you mentioned there. So if anybody's interested, hop on there. Kieran, you play a lot on there. Uh, me and Al have not really ventured onto it as of yet because I'm not set up for streaming here. Al, I think don't think you're set up for streaming really either. But uh, Kieran, you're usually on, and it's a good stream to watch. You're very talkative, and uh, you point out your own punts like seconds after you make them. It's great. Yeah, that's that's what I do in real life as well. It's I just have this thing in my brain where I can only recognize that I've, maybe I should just take one more second before I make plays, but it does seem to be a constant thing with me where I. Uh, I realize I make a mistake like just as I've clicked the card. It's a, it happens over and over and over again. So if that's if that sounds like your kind of thing, check the stream out. Check it out. Um, I've I've also been there. Um, sometimes my disembodied voice, your own advice, and um, as as happened earlier on today when we uh we played the Tron to a gentleman's two five two two gentlemen's two three. <laughs> yeah, Al informed me uh, which opening hands were capable of making Tron on turn three and which weren't, which was uh very helpful. Seems that's an important factor in playing the deck. <laughs> I feel like that's something that you could automate somehow. Like... Yeah, I feel like that's what it was. Oh, also, this was hilarious. Instantly, like two games after I started playing, I would join the chat just to just to insult me for being a Tron player that I'd never seen before. It was, <laughs> it was just brilliant. It was like just the person I'd never seen before was just like, you cast turn three Tron, uh, it's all the same, you Tron players. And then they just left again. I was like, wow. Now I understand the the abuse the Tron players must get in their everyday lives. So I apologize, Al, for uh, for any times I've contributed to that. Yeah, you know it's um um it's it's like uh Karn always said, you know the haters gonna hate 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 hate. 
So you, you just got to go. It's I, I just take it on this hatred and turned it into my own armor, through which I am. Um, I Karen's what the fuck is out of it. I'm going to hate, um, especially when opponents are being salty to me uh, on on Magic Online. I usually just reply and say, uh, "The tower taps for three. <laughs> <laughs> and that solves everything right there. Exactly, and then say, "Oh, I didn't realize that's how the deck worked. I'm sorry for uh, underestimating your ability to play this this card game. Uh, hope you have a wonderful day." I say, "You also." That happened. Well, people really do dislike Tron. That is a that is a, a recurring theme on Magic forums on the internet. Childish, totally. All right, but we do have more current news than modern. Uh, although we have been enjoying it this week. We have the full preview from Throne of Eldraine. So we might pick out a few individual cards to talk about, or I guess we're going to talk about decks. So we've been brewing decks. So we're going to talk about the decks that we have, and then if some cards come up that we haven't talked about before, or there's some kind of new uh, new context for some of the cards, then we will talk about them as they come up. Sounds good. That's great. I have, let me count here, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. 13 decks. What do you want to hear about? What deck do you want to hear about? Uh, you, were, you were excited about your animator, your animation deck. Um, want to start off with that? Okay. It's not very good. I actually have <laughs> I have a, co- a couple of uh, reanimator decks. They they're kind of have a minor reanimation theme. Uh, they're like food decks, but I'll go with the like straight reanimator deck. That's kind of similar to the one that you have now in uh, in in what you call it in current standards, or that that you were playing like a few weeks ago. Yeah, actually, I actually, I suppose for context, yeah, I, I went back to this deck uh, just last week. Um, basically, standard way standard is now the best decks. Well, I, well, I recommend decks are uh, are um, you know, escape shifts. Uh, uh, the or, or vampires, and these are all decks. It's kind of interesting. These are decks that are all have very important pieces that rotate out you know, in in a few weeks. So I just haven't been bothered putting together those decks in paper. So I I just play all different stuff, stuff in standard. Uh, last week I played um uh, Commander Dreadhorde, just uh, your standard you know, Sultai Dreadhorde deck. And I got absolutely smashed. All these better decks in standard. Then yeah, then last week I, I switched back to this reanimation deck, um, and it was pretty sick. And I think it has <laughs> City is a set is. It's been giving me my best win rates uh, in, in the local shop. Oh, sweet. So it probably is a good place to start for this format. Well, the key to it, I guess, is a card that hadn't been previewed last week when we talked, uh, which is the Cauldron of Eternity. So this is the black legendary artifact. It's um, 10 black black, so 12 mana total for a legendary artifact. But it costs two less to cast for each creature card in your graveyard. Um, whenever a creature you control dies, put it on the bottom of its owner's library. And you can pay two and a black tap, pay two life, return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield, activate this ability only any time you could cast a sorcery. So this is kind of the, the, the center of my reanimation deck here. And the other important card is Emery Lurker of the Lock. So it's the two and a blue Merfolk Wizard, costs one less to cast for each artifact you control. It's a one, two, when it enters the battlefield, put the top four cards of your library into your graveyard. And then you can pay tap, choose an artifact card in your graveyard. You may cast it this turn. And are you playing many artifacts apart from the cauldron, or is Emery basically the only target for Emery? The getting the cauldron back. So I'll, I'll go through the cards that I have in the deck. Um, I tried. I was looking at a version with more artifacts, like I had Witch's Oven, uh, but I don't think Witch's Oven was actually doing that much for me because I didn't really want to just sacrifice creatures for food. 
Um, but yeah, sorry, I'll, I'll go through what I have. So it's actually, it's only eight artifacts. Um, so I have four Vantress Gargoyle, uh, four Emery, four Tomebound Lich, uh, four Thrill of Possibility, four Discovery Dispersal, four Blood for Bones, and four Cauldron of Eternity. And then my kind of reanimation targets as such are three Cavalier of Night and four Agent of Treachery. Um, so the red is only in here for Thrill of Possibility, which is also a card that was spoiled uh, over the last week, which is, it's Tormenting Voice, but it's Instant Speed, one in the red, additional cost, discard a card, and then draw two cards. So I'm not sure how I feel about Thrill of Possibility in the deck, but I felt like to- like Tonebound Lich is the other way to discard. Um, and I just thought that four, four discard outlets was probably not enough. Uh, I like Cavalier of Night and Tombound Lich both having lifelink, so they're kind of useful for um, making up the life loss from Cauldron of Eternity. Uh, Vantress Gargoyle obviously synergizes with Emery. Vantress Gargoyle puts stuff in your graveyard. It's um, it's a creature, obviously, to be in your graveyard that you can potentially reanimate. It's a big, big beater to maybe close out the game. Uh, Blood for Bones. Blood for Bones is just a very good reanimation spell, like. Getting back something into play and on the battlefield is pretty great, or into play and in your hand. Um, and I think it's it's still just good enough to play. I, I, don't, I don't even know if four Cauldron of Eternity is right. Probably three would maybe make more sense, and four Blood for Bones, and then it let, lets you pay one more one more payoff card, uh, maybe an extra Cavalier of Night, or maybe something. Yeah. Have Have you considered a Stitcher Supplier in this deck? It's rotating. Oh, is it? Damn, I thought it was from oh. Ravnik or Gills of Ravnik. It's from Gills, right? No. It's the M- Belgari card, isn't it? No? It's M19. Oh, right. It is. Oh, that's bizarre. Oh, yeah, that sucks. It was because he played in Belgari decks. I just assumed it was Belgari. Um, good. Remember, st- stitchers, stitchers are from Innistrad. Ah, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. I would slam for, uh, for Stitcher suppliers in this deck. Absolutely. Yeah, makes sense. Well, so yeah, the red is a very light splash. Then yes, card of course is rotating too. So yeah, you kind of need it. Yeah, like you do have. Okay. You, you do have lots of ways to bin stuff. Maybe you could take out the red and replace it with maybe removal spells or. It's discovery dispersal. Yeah, so I, I have four discovery dispersal. So that's one okay. way to get stuff in the graveyard. I have Emery, so that's another way to get stuff in the graveyard. And Vantress Gargoyle and Tombound Lich can put things in one at a time. And I just think both of those kind of hold hold the ground pretty well. Like I know Tombow and Lich is like not that good of a magic card, but now that Lightning Strike is rotating out and there's not a good replacement for it, I think it's slightly better. I think I, I've played it. My, yeah, I think it's fine because I mean, it's, it's, it does it just slows down the um it slows down the um the board uh, and having that touch. You know, you can, you can you can sit back, you can buy a turn or two to set up your animation turn. I think that there are going to be a lot of green creature decks. Uh, so I think Death Touch is a good place to be. I was thinking maybe do you want to be Soul Tie so you can play Tamiyo and Cavalier Thorns to fill up your graveyard? Yes, perhaps. Well, let me tell you about my Soul Tie food deck. Oh, okay, cool. Right, so it's a similar-ish uh, idea. Now, it does not have Tamiyo or Cavalier of Thorns. Maybe it should, but let me let me tell you better, right? So it's got four gilded goose. The goose is loose. Yeah, it's got four. Oh, by the way, I think we should mention the fact that uh, 
Untitled Goose Game has finally come out. I don't know if you guys realize that or, or care about it. Yes, that's true. Completely off topic from Magic, but I'm very excited. I might stream that in the next couple of days. I absolutely what? love the idea of this game. What is? What do you? What do, is this? What do you do in Untitled Goose Game? I've heard about it. Uh, you play. You play a horrible goose and you annoy people. It's a stealth game. Nice. Yeah. Anyway, tune into the stream. Yes, you guys will see it soon. Sorry, but anyway, back to Gilded Goose, the magic card that is uh, is not a horrible goose, but a very nice goose. Yeah, he's a good bird. Um, so Gilded Goose, I have four Glowspore Shaman. So Glowspore Shaman is kind of like a bad Stitcher supplier. Uh, I've got three Murderous Rider, four Tomebound Lich again. Now I have four Feasting Troll King. So this is kind of the reanimation thing in this deck, and it's more based around food. So Feasting Troll King... I don't know if we had talked about this last week. I think uh, I think it had been previewed, but we all kind of skipped over it. So it's a it's two green, 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 green for a creature troll noble. It's a 7-6 with Vigilance and Trample. So you're talking six very intensive green mana here for a 7-6 Vigilance Trample. Not great. But when it enters the battlefield, if you cast it from your hand, create three food tokens. And then you can sacrifice three food to return it from your graveyard to the battlefield only sorcery speed but it doesn't come back in tapped or anything like that so that's pretty decent uh and if you can generate some food then i think you're going to be pretty getting him back pretty with some regularity um and that's that seems quite good so then uh gilded goose is not the only food generator in the deck i also have oko so for oko thief of crown so obviously you can play that turn two as well off a of goose um three vraska as just kind of a uh, a value card and if i have extra food sitting around i can sacrifice it to draw cards with her for discovery dispersal as well to put the troll king in the graveyard uh then i don't know if this is a controversial card or not but i have three giant opportunity do you know this card yeah so it's a uh, tuna green for a sorcery it says you may sacrifice two foods if you do create a seven seven green giant creature token otherwise create three food so this gives you the three food that you need for the troll king uh obviously like i said you can sacrifice them to vraska or turn them into elks with oko and if you just have loads of food lying around then you just sac you end up sacrificing two and you get a seven seven for three mana i think i think this card is actually a lot better than than it looks um and then i i'm rounding that out with two taste of death which is from the brawl decks and it's a uh, six mana each player sacrifices three creatures you create three food tokens yeah those all seem pretty playable so I think there probably is like a more turbo-y version between these two. But I think if you, where, where is your, if you want to use a Sultai Reanimator and you want to use Emery uh, along with Tamio and the Green Cavalier, then where are you going to get your artifact synergy from? Is it just the same things that I've got here, the Vandras Gargoyle and the Cauldron itself? Or do you think that there's something else you can do? Yeah, there's really not too many interesting artifacts in Standard at the moment. I think you can play, like, Glass Casket uh, if you want to play White. I think that's, like, a very respectable artifact to, to play. True. I mean, you're talking about different colors there. I don't know. Yeah, like, in those colors, I'm not really sure. And it's kind of weird even to talk about colors when you're talking about artifacts, but that's kind of the way the game has gone. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you could... So there's a few different things you could do. You could play Witch's Oven, as I mentioned before, but that's kind of a, a non-bow with the Cauldron of Eternity. If you have the Cauldron of Eternity out and you sack something, it goes on the bottom of your library. So it's kind of awkward. You could have the Golden Egg, but it's quite weak. 
It's the the two mana enter the battlefield draw card, and then it's a food, so you can sacrifice it to gain three life, or you can use it to fix your colors. I don't know if you necessarily need to go in the the Emery route, or you know, is, is your animation package already quite strong even without? Yeah, like if the main purpose is just to mill for, that's fine. It's just kind of wondering if you can get a little bit more value out of the ability. But yeah, I kind of think maybe you would have to bend your deck too much in order to do that. Maybe I think probably it's not worthwhile. Well, I think the mill for is good, but I also think that the main thing is that you... Like the mill for is enabling you to put the cauldron in your graveyard and then you can use Emery to cast it from your graveyard. So it's getting you to the cauldron much much more reliably for sure that's true although it is worth pointing out that like because you're not playing any cheap artifacts this is just basically always going to cost cost you two in the blue right the the first memory unless you put the cauldron in your graveyard with the um tormenting goal spell uh well again <laughs> you made this mistake last time as well emery does not cost less for for oh. artifacts in your graveyard she has a... sorry it's a you control is it yeah yeah but even then it's the same thing it's basically always going to cost you that amount i guess the food tokens yeah, or if you have a, a Vantress Gargoyle, like if you play a Vantress Gargoyle in two, then technically you can play another one on three plus an Emery, I guess. That's true. That's pretty good. Yeah, I'm just thinking it's like you, you don't want your kind of enablers in these decks to only be like a turn three play a lot of the time. So I guess it just depends how often you can actually play it earlier than that. Like, I guess if you play a Goose on one, you can just play it on turn two, which is pretty nice. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But the I, I did not have Emery in the same deck as the Goose. <laughs> uh, ah, okay. Yeah, maybe there is a Sultai reanimator deck rather than rather than Grixis. Um, well, here, here's here's a Jund take that I've got right. So uh, again, I've got four Gilded Goose. I've got three Paradise Druid. I've got three Rotting Regisaur. I've got four Cauldron Familiar. Cauldron Familiar is a cat, a one-one cat. When it enters the battlefield, each opponent loses one life, and you gain one life. And you can sack a food to return it from your graveyard to the battlefield. Uh, I've got four Savvy Hunter. Make some foods. I've got two Corvold, Fae Curse King, which is the Jund commander from the Brawl decks. I've got four Feasting Troll King. I've got two Vraska, four Witch's Oven, four Thrill of Possibility, and two Trail of Crumbs. Do you know Trail of Crumbs? Do not. What color is that? It's, a, it's green. So it's a one and a green enchantment. And it says when it enters the battlefield, create a food token. And whenever you sack a food, so it doesn't have to be doesn't have to be through the food's ability. It can be any sacrifice of the food. You can pay one, and if you do look at the top two cards of your library, you may reveal a permanent card from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. That could be a pretty powerful engine, actually. Yeah, oh, it's only a two of here because I didn't. Uh, I don't have you know full confidence in it to go four of. So yeah, I mean, worst case scenario though, the second one still creates you a food that you can sacrifice. So that's true. It's kind of like multiples kind of cantrip, which is usually a problem with, with engine cards like this. So that's actually pretty good. So yeah, you can maybe even play three. I don't know. You obviously need basically all permanents in your deck, like a very high permanent count, but that shouldn't be a problem in this kind of deck at all. Yeah. Well, what I've got here, I have uh, only the lands of 24 lands because I've got four goose and three paradise druid. And I've got four Thrill of Possibility, and that they're the only non non permanent cards. I would probably. Oh, no, sorry, lands lands are permanent, so there's just four four. Lands are permanent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. Uh, four four <laughs> Possibility. So you're you're pretty you're hitting pretty much every time, right? Yeah. 
Although in the in pretty much any green deck in standard, I'm going to be trying trying to shove a, some uh, once upon a times in them. So that'll if I built this deck, I'd probably have those, and that would bring the count down a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Snuggle. Uh, I do, I like I I've have used once upon a time. I haven't forgotten about it, but I've used it in all my green aggro decks. So I didn't do it here. I don't know. Like obviously, time will tell. Uh, probably a deck like this does need some once upon a times or wants some once upon a times in some number, but uh, maybe I'm not the person to figure that out. I figured it out. And mine all have have them. Yours all have them. Every green deck you have has uh, has once upon a time. Oh, yes, one hundred percent of my green decks that I've brewed, which is one. Oh. my one green deck. Okay. <laughs> I think it, it 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 is worth trying. I mean, it is. Um, it feels like this discard is so soft, but you can say. Yeah, well, I I have I have it in Simic Flash, I have it in Gruel, I have it in Mono Green, and I have it in Black Green Great Henge. Let's talk about that. Oh, that's what I have. Um, yeah, I think, we, I think we're probably going to have have uh, versions of this. Um, I, I I kind of built this with the intention of it being like a mid range deck, and it's a grindy mid range deck. Um, it's kind of deck that I want to, to be viable in standard. It hasn't been viable in standard in a while. I've called this Cambridge mid range um, because of. Uh, Clackbridge, Clackbridge stroll gets autocratted to the Cambridge stroll uh, on my phone. <laughs> so I found it's very amusing. So yeah, so I kind of started off with that. I was like, yeah, here's a big five drop. Um, something that yeah makes your it'll make your hens cheaper. Um, so I guess now yeah, my version I have boost four versus hybrid two leyline Prouder, three birders cut three best and beast three Clackbridge stroll four Nissa, uh, two great hens two assassin trophy one cast out four once upon a time two legions and have you know normal lands uh, but I have. Four of passage uh, and one of each green and black castle, which I think might be wrong. Maybe I'll swap more to green castle. Yeah, I think you probably want more green. Yeah. Um, Although I guess the only thing that you're technically ramping to is the Great Henge. Uh, but I also have Mana Sinks and Hydra and Soul Serpent. Oh, okay. Yeah. It, this is, I mean, it's very tempting to splash doing this for, for Hydras. Uh, if you yeah, it does, it does have a big thing to tap in for. Like, I think this will be generating, generating a lot of mana. Hey, Euron's uh, signature card. Um, what's it called again? The Vanstruction card. I don't know. Um, what is it again? Oh, it was it's six mana, uh, one for war. You kept on playing. Oh, casualties of war. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Casualties of war. Maybe this. Maybe this is a casualties of war deck. That's pretty cool. You can blow people's oh, no, uh, blow people's castles. Oh. Yeah, maybe that'd be maybe that'd be more important. Yeah. Okay. Well, so what what's your what's your low end on this deck again? Actually, I really struggled to to find when the get two drops. Uh, Gilda Goose. Uh, you could argue. So Stone Cold Serpent guessing cast anywhere. Um, um, I have, it's pretty good. I actually just took out what you got. It's pretty good with Growth Chamber Guardian because you can chain them once you have the Great Henge in play and keep drawing cards. Yes. And and actually, when, yeah. you, when you put the yeah. counter on it with the Great Henge, it'll it'll trigger the Growth Chamber Guardian automatically. Yeah. So you just get to draw another one. Yes. Um, yeah. That is that is very important. Yeah. I, I actually I actually had four Growth Chamber Guardians and just took it out, but um, yeah, now I realize obviously that's a slam dunk for once to work. Because yeah, there's not many. There's not many good two. I struggle to find good two or three drops. Um, since we're using like the four package, uh, it's just a big void in in a green black mid range deck. What goes um into two drop three drop spot? Well, I would say Paradise Druid. No. Yeah, Paradise Druid makes sense. Yeah. Well, we we've talked about the Great Henge so much. I should probably read that because I don't think we. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. The Great Henge is the green legendary artifact. It's seven green green. And it costs X less to cast, where X is the greatest power among creatures you control. So the greatest power only, not all the power added up, like Galta. Uh, and it has the ability to tap, add green, green, you gain two life. And whenever a non-token creature enters the battlefield under your control, 
put a plus one plus one counter on it and draw a card. So this is pretty important for green decks. So mono green and kind of black green and blue green stompy decks from the standard that's just ending now uh, had a big problem with vomiting their hand onto the board and then losing to Kaya's Wrath. So if you have the Great Henge in play, that happens to you considerably fewer, or considerably less often. Uh, my take on this black green henge deck is a little it's a little more like turbo henge uh, with some other kind of minor synergies built in so i'll I'll read out what i've got here so uh some of these cards you might not know actually uh so there's four pelt collector four wildwood tracker which i will read now it might be a bit of an odd choice it's a common from eldraine it's green for an elf warrior it's a one one Whenever it attacks or blocks, if you control another non-human creature, Wildwood Tracker gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. Then I've got four Barkhide Troll, four Paradise Druid, three Lovestruck Beast, four Rotting Regisaur, three Yorvo, Lord of Garenbrig, four Questing Beast, three Great Henge, and four Once Upon a Time. And uh, Yorvo is the basically the replacement for uh, Steel Leaf Champion. It's green, green, green for a legendary creature, Giant Noble. Enters the battlefield with four plus one plus one counters on it. It's a zero zero, so it's four four. Uh, whenever another green creature enters the battlefield under your control, you put a plus one plus one counter on it. Then, if that creature's power is greater than your vote's, put another plus one plus one counter on it. Um, so basically, this is kind of a turbo henge deck. It's built around basically rotting Regisaur on turn three into great henge on turn four. Uh, and then there's another. Uh, also, Lovestruck Beast does the same thing. I only went with three Lovestruck Beasts because I'm just a bit afraid of the one one thing uh like it won't be able to attack a lot so obviously the the ways that i have to play a one one are pelt collector but unfortunately that grows uh obviously lovestruck beast uh itself can make a one one uh by doing the adventure and then i i hit upon wildwood tracker and i thought it was interesting because it is a one one normally by itself but every other creature in the deck is a non-human so it actually attacks as a two two so it's a one mana two two like reasonable amount of the time yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that's, yeah that's, uh, definitely, definitely what the thought of it put in. It makes sense that it's it's you know, it's a one one when you want to be one one, and then um, it's no longer. So it kind of yeah, it both scales and um, it works well with the beast. And I think I I, I had I have twenty three lands in this deck, which I don't know. With once upon a time, I'm not sure. Like I might actually be able to have less with four once upon a time. Might like twenty two might be fine. I think. Um, I'm also not too sure about Paradise Druid. Of course, that also adds to my mana sources, um, but I'm not 100% about Paradise Druid. I think that could also be, like you mentioned, Kieran, could be Grow Chamber Guardian because the synergy with Great Henge is so good. But I'm just afraid with the Grow Chamber Guardian that it'll get stomped by some giants on turn two. Yeah, that's a a good point. I forgot about that card. I think that card is going to see quite a lot of play. The, what's it called again? Oh yeah, Bone Bone Crusher Giant. It's a name we will come to know and fear. Yeah, I think that card's going to see a lot of play. I, I didn't think about that. Pretty good. Uh, Stone Stone Cold Serpent actually could be another creature that could be in this deck as a one one. Obviously, it's flexible, but you can play it as a one one if necessary. Or would you play um if you needed to pay off? Would you pay Return of the Wild Speaker? No, I think that card is trash. I think it's trash. <laughs> you draw so many cards off it. It's very win more, right? Yeah, it is, yeah. So we'll, we'll read it though. It's a cool card. I think it's probably decent and limited, but it's a, it's five mana for an instant. Choose one. 
Uh, draw cards equal to the greatest power among non-human creatures you control, or non-human creatures you control get plus three, plus three until end of turn. I think this is very... This is just kind of not what you want to be doing in a green deck. Like, how many... like in, Especially in a green aggro deck. How, how many of these would you have in your deck? It's five mana. I know, we pretty barely won. Well, yeah, it's... it's uh... Even if being instant, it's not like you're gonna. It's not like you're gonna be passing the turn of mana up to take advantage of that. It's exactly. I mean, it do, they don't does seem pretty. Does seem pretty sweet with uh with rotting Regisaur. <laughs> draw seven. And we'll draw seven. Still to one out, but um, yeah, maybe. Another interesting card for green decks like this could be Sir Farron. I do have it in my mono green deck. Um, because it's green green. It's Sir Farron the Henge Hammer. Uh, let me read Sir Farron here. Where's it gone? Over here. Um, yeah, you go for it. Sir Farron the Hedge, Hedge, Hedge Hammer. Green, green, four, two, two. Legendary creature, human knight. Hammer attacks another attacking, another, another target attacking creature. It's plus X plus X until end of turn. Where X is Sir Farron's power. Yeah. So let me tell you, let me tell you about my mono green deck here, right? So I've got Stone Coil Serpent. I've got Pell Collector. Barkhide Troll, Sir Farron, Voracious Hydra, Yorvo, Questing Beast. Okay, a lot of similar stuff from the previous deck. Great Henge, Once Upon a Time. Here's the different kind of stuff. Well, Sir Farron is different and Stone Cold Serpent is different. Uh, I have Vivian Arcbow Ranger, three of them. I've got two Nissa Who Shakes the World. I don't know about Nissa in this type of deck, but like she's just a generally good card. Good with Stone Cold Serpent, of course. Good with the Great Henge. Here is the, the real spice. I've got three giant growth it's the og oh my god i was <laughs> oh yeah when you, when you read sir henge or yeah sir henge hammer uh your your mind immediately goes to oh what if i just pump them and, and i get a big attack in but um oh, i don't think oh, you'd be crazy oh, enough to want to try it. it it also synergizes well with the great henge right because it's it's uh with yeah. the great henge it's giant growth and dark ritual that's very true that's <laughs> you get your mana back yeah and that that's all i have to say about green decks Actually, I have a. Wait, let me see if uh, let me see if I'm excited about anything in my Gruel deck. I don't think I am. I think it's all the same stuff. Just Bone Crusher Giant in this deck. Yeah, it's all the same. Just with Bone Crusher Giant and some red removal and Gruel Spellbreaker and Domri. But it still has a great Henge. Still has Once Upon a Time. That's all I have to say about green decks for real now. I also have uh, Simic Flash, but I yeah. hate Simic Flash, so I just built it because I was. <laughs> I should probably understand this deck in some way. I was going to ask what your Super Flash deck looks like, because I guess Super Flash doesn't lose a lot of important cards, but it gains um, a Wildborn, Wildborn Preserver. Yeah. Actually, it does gain an important card that was previewed in the last week that we haven't talked about on the podcast yet, which is Brazen Borrower. Yes. Which is a, a blue mythic with adventure. It's a one blue blue for a creature fairy rogue with flash and flying, and it can block only creatures with flying, and it's a 3-1. So echoes of Vendillion click here. But the adventure is an instant. It's a one and a blue. It's Petty Theft is the name of the adventure. And it says return target non-land permanent and opponent controls to its owner's hand. So this is pretty decent with, uh, it's you know, it's a built-in curve there. Uh, I think it's not super pushed on the rate, but I think just um, it's a tempo, massive tempo swing to be able to bounce your opponent's thing on turn two and then play this on turn three. Of course, you have your other options as well. Um, I have Hypnotic Sprite in the deck as well, which is the, the three-mana counterspell for converted mana cost three or less. So you can also kind of curve that. I think this card is really pushed on, right? Just the fact that it's an adventure and neither side is overcosted makes it 
above right kind of you know what i mean because that, that seems to be the way they tried to go for the other cards but this one it's like both sides are respectable so together i think it is pretty pushed i guess uh i mean yeah i suppose so i think this card's insane i borrower. i think the the fact that, that it curves two into three which is like the opposite of hypnotic sprite is the is the thing like the play pattern is the thing with brazen borrower like you would not put either half of this card in your deck i don't think mm, i mean two two mana bounce planeswalker like bounce bounce anything is like i could see like a like a blue aggro tempo deck playing that on its own but maybe it, uh, like ensnaring bridges in the format or something i don't know isn't um i mean isn't blink of an eye just that and they, i don't think they play blink of an eye eh, i mean decks have decks have played that no, but I mean the the Simic Flash deck, like specifically that type of deck. Oh, I get you. Yeah, I guess so. True. I do, I do agree that decks have certainly played Blink of an Eye, and and the effect is certainly warranted. Like this this might be a great way for um, like if Nexus wasn't rotating out, this might be another good win condition for Nexus because you use the the instant, and then the creature goes safely into exile for when you're ready to use it to win the game. Yep. True. Thank God we will never live in that world. Although, actually, you can do that in Historic if you want. Very true. But yeah, I think this card is great. I think it's going to see a lot of play. I think it's going to see play in Eternal formats as well. But I think for Standard, it's just great. Like, as you said, two into three, or I just think on turn five a lot of the time, you're just going to see both halves get played at the end of your opponent's turn. And I just think that's that's such a big swing. Yeah, that is triple blue, though. True. Yeah, it might have to be in, like, a mono blue deck or something like that. Yeah. I, I think it's definitely great. And... It's the type of card that, as well, will probably get better with time as like other push things are printed around it. All right, do you guys have any other any other decks that you'd like to talk about? Al, you can go first. If you no, I, 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 I did not. I suppose mean something that uh, I haven't actually put the list together yet. But if you look at the, um, I have to change its its kind of its configuration now. What it uses so many cards, but we still have the cavalcade kind of uh, cavalcade is still there uh, as, as a shell. So, so kind of deck like that would work quite well with a, a Tor Bran, Rain, well, Tor, Tor Bran, Thane of Redfell. I bet this for this is a one red, red, red for a legendary creature, Dwarf Noble, Red Source. Uh, you troll will deal damage to opponents or permanent opponent controls. It deals damage plus two damage instead. This curve is up to four. I have, a, have, a, have a board, play him in your main phase and then attack and then have a lot of damage being done uh, between all of your different yeah, decks that you got. You know, triggering your um cavalcade. Uh, I, I think it's it's kind of deck that builds itself. Builds itself. I have not built it. Yeah, this this card is stupid, and I, I guess I'll talk about the mono red deck that I've built now because it has four of him. Um, so yeah, with caval like with cavalcade of calamity, right? If you just have one cavalcade of calamity and one one power thing, and you attack with it, and he's on the battlefield, the cavalcade triggers and it does three damage, and then your one power thing hits the opponent and does three more damage. So that's, that's six damage just from with him on the battlefield with one creature. That's crazy. So I'll talk about some of the some of the stuff that I got here. So um, four Fervent Champion. So that's the, the Javier Dominguez card. Uh, three Scorch Spitter. Four Footlight Fiend. I think you can probably reverse those as well. Um, then I've got two Tybalt's Rager which I think is a good card that has been overlooked because of like how powerful the red deck was. But now there aren't that many really good options apart from Steamkin. And this doesn't really, this is not really a Steamkin deck. I think Steamkin can maybe go in a, an experimental frenzy version of a red deck. So this is four Tibbles Rager, which is from War, if people remember. It's one and a red for a 1-2. So the one 
triggers triggers the uh, cavalcade, and when it dies, it deals one damage to any target, and then it has uh, fire breathing for one and a red gets plus two plus zero. Oh. Uh, four bone crusher giant, just because it's a stupid card, doesn't even doesn't even matter if it synergizes with cavalcade. Four chandra acolyte of flame, obviously also very good with torbran. Uh, even flashing back your your spells makes them do an extra two damage. The um, the elementals all of a sudden become three ones rather than one ones. Uh, I've got four Torbran. I don't know if four is right. Three might be right. But I, I think going by experimental frenzy numbers, I think four is probably right. Uh, four Cavalcade, obviously. Then four Shock and four Slaying Fire, because why not? Um, it's always going to be four damage in this deck because the, the land, the mana base is 17. 17 Mountains and three Castle Embereth, which uh, Castle Embereth we haven't... Yes talked about yet the, the whole castle cycle we haven't really we didn't really talk about them because they're they've been previewed since last time but castle Embreath is uh enters the battlefield tapped unless you control a mountain and it taps add red and you can pay one red red and tap it creatures you control get plus one plus oh until end of turn and obviously the the trick here is to do that after the cavalcade triggers so you can attack with your stuff as one power but then uh then use the castle Embreath after that to pump them and you get the the best of both worlds yeah, I mean, it also seems a little inconsistent, though, to be honest. And, like, I didn't have any light-ups the stage in there. I'm not entirely sure where it fits. Maybe instead of Slaying Fire, maybe that's just not good enough. Um, although it strikes me as very good in a mono-red deck, Slaying Fire. I don't know. I'm not I'm not sure where exactly to fit in the light-up the stage, because I think it is it is good enough to play. Maybe you don't want the Bone Crusher Giant, but it just seems so good on rate. Um what else? Ginger Brute is an interesting card for that. It's the one mana one one haste. Can be blocked only by creatures with haste, and it's a food, so you can sacrifice it to gain three life. Uh, good in the mirror, obviously gaining three life, mm, but it's not a red creature, so it doesn't trigger Torbran. Yeah, I think with the um, the giant, you just you definitely just start with it in your decks, and then and work it out from there. It just seems too good to pass up. Yeah, I think so. Obviously, it strikes me as more of a like a gruel card, but I think it's definitely good enough for Mono Red. Just very good rate. Like I said, with Brazen Borrower, the play pattern of two into three is just so good. The fact that it's an instant. And like, yeah, for sure. As you mentioned before, like it gets around protection. Yep. Something we always got to keep in mind in this brave new world of uh, protection being back at standard. Yep. Also, is Ginger Brute the first time a creature has ever had can't be blocked except by creatures with haste? I don't recall ever seeing that ability on a card before. I. Do not know. It's strange because you can't catch them. Exactly. Yeah, so I don't really have any uh, standard decks to talk about. Um, I think you guys covered it pretty well. But uh, one thing I was thinking of was um, taking the four-color Wurza deck that I've been playing in Modern a lot and basically just changing it a bit by adding Wishclaw Talisman to it. So I put a I put a list in Discord there if you guys want, but it's basically just what I've been playing already, but with one Wishclaw, Wishclaw Talisman in the main and one in the side. So Wishclaw Talisman is the artifact, costs one in a black, enters with three wish counters on it, and you can pay one, tap it, and remove a wish counter to uh, search your library for a card, put it into your hand, and shuffle your library. An opponent gains control of Wishclaw Talisman, activate this ability only during your turn. So it's a demonic tutor, uh, but then your opponent gets control of the artifact. So I was thinking, playing Wurza in Modern, this is a really powerful idea, 
because obviously you have tutors in the deck already. Redundancy of tutors is really, really strong in counter in combo decks. And then as well, this can get you your combo pieces that were of invention can't. So it can get you your Urza or it can get you your Karn, uh, importantly. So you're able to whir for this at the end of their turn and then untap, uh, use it to get Karn out of your deck and then play the Karn. And then that will mean uh, your opponent can't actually use the Wishclaw Talisman because of Karn's static ability. So you're basically turning off the, the downside. Insane. Yeah, actually, that's pretty good. E- even if you don't turn off the downside, like they get one tutor out of it and then they give it back to you. So you get another tutor out of it and then it's done after that because it has no more counters on it. So it's not like the end of the world because you get two counters out of it. Although it is still obviously much yeah. better to just get the Karn and turn off the ability completely. Yeah, and that does work in standard as well. Obviously, there isn't a, a, a standard deck with it. But but another thing to keep in mind is you're also playing Teferi Time Raveler in this deck, and you can do this in standard too, where you can use the uh, the Wishclaw Talisman to maybe even get a Teferi, play it, and then bounce the Wishclaw Talisman that your opponent has control of, and you get it back into your hand again, and you get to draw a card. Oh, so sweet. <laughs> So yeah, this card seems really strong to me. Or in the Urza deck, you just if you're not getting Karn, you can just get Urza with it and probably win that turn, you know, if that's your missing combo piece to make infinite mana. So I feel like in modern this card is gonna be really, really powerful in the right shell. Uh like if you can get downside to win that turn or by turning it off with Karn or something like that. Yeah. It's been a long time since we saw such a cheap tutor. Yeah, exactly. Also it's this could also be one of those um uh it's like a, it's like a symmetrical effect that's not really symmetrical because you could just have your deck could be the kind of deck that takes advantage of having which is in this case here you have you know, the odd one of the you know go and get whereas like you're playing against if your opponent doesn't have a deck like that uh, if your opponent doesn't have you know a toolbox uh, set of one ofs uh they won't be getting nearly as much value out of their wish than uh, you would yeah exactly and because you can only use it on your turn like if you can use it to combo off that same turn, it doesn't even matter if they have toolbox stuff in their deck because they don't get to take advantage until they untap again. And by then it's probably too late if you're doing your job properly, you know? So this is something I think that you can you can think about in standard as well. But it's like yeah, it's it's probably not quite quite as likely to get there in standard just because there aren't as powerful things to tutor for. But if there is another deck like Nexus or something like that, if there's some Wilderness Reclamation combo deck that's around, uh, I could see Wishclaw Talisman being very good for like getting Wilderness Reclamation. Like once that's in play, you know, and you untap all your lands in your end step and start comboing off, like with Expansion Explosion or something like that, your opponent might not be able to. Obviously, we're playing four colors in this scenario already uh, with quite bad mana. But in that scenario, your opponent might not even not get to uh, to untap. You might just win the game on your end step. Exactly, and, and I kind of know like when people see text like this that says you know you activate in your turn. I mean that doesn't mean sorcery speed. Yeah, you can you can do it in speed. Yeah, it's true. Just looking at this deck list that you sent over here, uh, I'll see if I can. I'm I'm not 100 percent sure how if we can link decks from uh, from Scryfe, the Scryfall deck builder, which is great by the way. Everyone should be using the Scryfall deck builder. Uh, it's really easy to use. Uh, I'll, I'll try my best to to put them in the show notes if I can. Uh, I'm not 100 percent sure how to do that, but I'll figure it out. But uh, yeah, I'm looking through the deck list that you sent over, and you have the one scrying sheets in the lands here. Is that is that is it good enough? Yeah, I've I've found it really good. Although to be honest, so that replaced an inventor's fair um, in this version. Now that you have the wishclaw uh, talisman to fetch with inventor's fair, it might be possible that it's right to go back to to that land. But uh, scrying sheets has actually been very good in in this deck. Like you have um, how many snow permanents do you have? Four ice fine quaddle, four Arkham's astrolabe and then seven snow-covered lands. 
So that's 15 hits, which is which is pretty decent for just like a little bit of an extra mana sink. And I've been talking about this on stream as well. There's a really interesting uh, thing about scrying sheets. Is So scrying sheets, for anyone who doesn't know, is a, is a snow land that taps to add a, a colorless mana. Uh, or you can pay one on a snow mana and tap it to look at the top card of your library. And if that card is snow, you may reveal it and put it into your hand. What it doesn't say is that if it's snow, put it on the... So because you have plans in your deck as well, you can actually look at the top card... Uh, see if you want to draw it and then fetch and shuffle your deck if you don't want to draw it, which is actually quite powerful in a combo deck like this where you can cast, decide if you want to cast Word of Invention that turn to shuffle shuffle your top card away, stuff like that. So Scrying Sheets is an interesting little land. I've, I found it to be quite good. It's it's just a nice little value land. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird one, all right, but it definitely has its applications. Yeah, although, yeah, with this version, it might be better for it to be an Inventor's Fair, like I said. Sure. All right, let me hit you with two more standard decks, okay? Oh, yeah. All right, mono black. How's that sound? I was thinking of it earlier. I'm I'm excited to hear it. Yeah. All right, I've got four gutter bones, four knight of the ebon legion. That's my one drops. My two drops, four black lands paragon. It's a one and a black for a human knight with flash. It's a three one. When it enters the battlefield, target knight gains death touch and lifelink until end of turn. It's mainly a two mana flash here. However, we do have knight of the ebon legion, and my next card is order of midnight. So it's the one on a black for a human knight with flying, can't block, it's a 2-2. And it has alter fate as an adventure, one on a black, return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand, sorcery. Uh, oh, I also have Mid- Midnight Reaper and Murderous Rider. Okay, actually I have a lot of knights. Uh, <laughs> never mind. Uh, yeah, so I've got uh, Order of Midnight, Midnight Reaper, Murderous Rider, Rotting Regisaur, of course. I've got a card which I think a lot of people are sleeping on, which is insane in this kind of deck which is Ayara, first of Loch Twain. So she is the kind of leader of the Black Castle. She is black, black, black for a legendary creature elf noble, 2-3. Whenever she or another black creature enters the battlefield under your control, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. And then she has tap, sack another black creature, draw a card. Um, then I've got, at the top end, I've got Spawn of Mayhem, which can be variably a 3-drop or a 2 or a 4-drop. Uh, I've got three rankle master of pranks yes that's uh, hopefully play rankle <laughs> yeah you can get your order of midnights uh you use your order of midnights to get stuff back you can obviously sacrifice gutter bones to rankle and stuff like that St- stuff that doesn't hurt you that much and then i've got the one one of dread presence oh i want to see more dread presence that card's so good if we're playing mono black i feel like i want i want to try and maximize that yeah maybe you can play them over rankle i don't know or over spawn of mayhem or some of the other cards in here. But I wanted to keep the curve kind of low. Um, and then the yeah, sure. the mana base has 16 swamps. two Sorry, four castle Loch Twain. Uh, which is the black castle. And it's a land. Enters the battlefield tapped unless you control a swamp. Tap to add black. And uh, one black black tap draw card. Then you lose life equals the number of cards in your hand. Uh, so obviously this is pretty decent in an aggro deck. Where you're emptying your hand pretty fast. And you also have discard outlets like Rankle and Rotting Regisaur. And ways to get stuff back, like Order of Midnight. Um, and then two Witches Cottage, just because they're kind of free. Maybe it shouldn't be in here, but it's the one where you, you it enters tapped unless you have three swamps. Um, and then uh, you can put it put a creature uh, from your graveyard on top of your library, which can be like a Rankle or a Dread Presence or whatever. Murderous Rider, pretty good. So I think this deck is decent. I don't know if it excites me more than like the red deck. Yeah, it's a tough one. I think I think this is a deck where 
you would have to try kind of multiple iterations to figure out what's actually good because i don't know it's it seems like 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 the power level seems like it's there i don't know it seems like it's less fragile than the, the red deck I mean, you're probably harder to interact with than the red deck because you're, you're just gonna you're being aggressive you're also just generating a lot of value and as a black deck you do get like a more robust i guess sideboard than a red deck like you get the rest basically that's pretty harsh okay can i uh can i tell you about my favorite deck that i've made yes absolutely okay it is yeah no white deck so far so just... no there none of my decks have white in them oh no sorry i have a jeskai control deck uh, but I just basically copied that from Andrea Mangucci and added like two or three cards. So I'm not excited about that. Also, it's not really my deck. So I was just throwing ideas around. I also have a Knights deck, but I hate it. So uh, I'm not going to talk about it. Uh, I don't know how to build Knights. And because uh, the, the one I built is Mardu, but it's also aggro. So I don't know if that really works. I think you might have to stick with two colors. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll talk to you here about Blue Red Counter Burn. You ready for this? Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm already sold. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. So we've got four Electrostatic Field. We've got four Iron Crag Pyromancer. This is two in a red for a human wizard. It's an 0-4. And whenever you draw your second card each turn, Iron Crag Pyromancer deals three damage to any target. We've got four Crackling Drake. So combo. Uh, we've got three Royal Scions. Combo. We've got four Opt. Combo. Uh, Shock. Not a combo. Uh, we've got four Thrill of Possibility, another combo. Ionize, not a combo, but reasonable card. Three Slaying Fire, because there's a lot of lot of red lands in this deck. Um, and it's just a reasonable removal spell, even if you can't trigger Adamant. And three Chemister's Insight, which is also a combo. It's possible that Ionize is wrong to play in this deck. I just, you know, you gotta, you gotta throw it in there. I don't think Ionize is that great of a card, but I think it probably works in this deck. Not a counterbird deck without a yeah that does end pretty sweet like the iron crack pyromancer like a free three damage anywhere and i think you can trigger pretty reliably in this deck like yeah once you have that yeah online it's uh we're doing a lot of damage so we very powerful i mean it's it's also possible that this could be a phoenix deck if you change the spell package a little bit made it a bit cheaper or something like that uh, yeah, I was thinking if you had Electromancers and Radical Ideas, because Radical Idea also works well with Iron Crack Pyromancer. Yeah, that's true. I ha- I put Electromancer in this deck, and then I thought, actually, it's, I don't feel like it's that kind of deck. I think if you want to go Phoenix, the Phoenix route, then I think, yeah, you want Py- uh, Electromancer. But this is more of a tap out turn two, tap out turn three. Okay, now I'm going to hold up loads of spells and just burn you. Well... How, how much can you actually hold up the spells though when you like your opts and stuff like that you still have to play those on your turn yeah opts for it to be your second card yeah opt you do have to play on your own turn yeah that's true but yeah i guess i guess a lot of the time you're still holding stuff up i mean you could also have two opt <laughs> true there's also captain uh, if you're oh yeah that's a good captain yeah, is a good uh good idea it's also possible that Thrill of Possibility is not at its best in this deck. Like, obviously, it allows you to trigger the draw, draw your second card on the opponent's turn. Um, but it, you're not like really discarding anything for value in the deck except for Chemistry's Insight. So it's possible that that could change. Uh, I, I like the Royal, Royal Scions because they go well with Crackling Drake. Yeah. But again, they also don't go very well with Electrostatic Field or Iron Crag Pyromancer. So 
also possible that they should not be in here. You could also put like Torbran in here. I don't know. Might be too difficult on the mana. But he does add two to all your burn spells. Yeah. Adds two to your uh, Pyrancer of Dickers. Does, yeah. Deal five each time. That'll that'll kill <laughs> pretty quick. I think you have to just definitely an archetype with a lot of you know, a lot of tension. Yeah. Pulse being yeah, you can you can you know, target creatures and stuff. You can you can control the board this way. This is also a very cheap deck for people who are interested in that. Although I do have four fabled passage in the uh in the mana base, so but other than that, it's quite cheap. Iron Crag Pyromancer is very cheap right now. Royal Scions are a little bit expensive, but I expect them to come down because I don't think they'll see any immediate play in Standard. Uh, unless this deck is amazing. Unless this deck is the next big thing. It could be, yeah. Yeah, it seems worth trying, for sure. I think there's a lot of variations that you can do with this deck as well. Uh, one one deck that I think maybe like could be possibly good or worth trying is some kind of a mill deck. Just to enable Drown in the Lock, because it's so so strong, if you can actually get it going. Uh, I don't know if there's enough mill to um, to actually make the deck work, but I think it's worth exploring. So then you kind of have that in your back pocket to think about if it ever gets extra cards or whatever. So I might have a look at that, but uh, I'm kind of all tuckered out now with uh, <laughs> with brewing. I'll probably do a little bit more, though. There are a lot of brews, and I would like to do some more brewing, too. I'm just gonna wait to see what you guys come up with and steal it. <laughs> That's fair. All right, let's let's uh, let's do a little bit of guessing. Which uh, which castle do you think is gonna be the best in standards during its entire during the entire run, like two years from now? Which which castle are we gonna look back on and go, oh wow, that was obviously the best one of the cycle? This will be interesting. Um, I am going to say uh, the blue castle. That's my first thought as well. I'm just gonna take another look at them again though and and see. So castle is Castle Vantress, uh, enters the battlefield, tapped unless you control an island. Tap add blue, and it has two blue, blue, tap scry two. I think it's, yeah, something that, Def- that and the blue one, or they're gone. It, it's definitely really, really good. It's not something that you're going to, like, you know, once, you know, I think all these classes are very, very powerful. Uh, I just see Castle Vantress being something that you're going to be, you're going to do it every turn you have to mana for. Um, I think that also works for the white one. Um, whereas Euro 3, although they're strong, they are not conditional. Man, I thought I thought Mystic Sanctuary was the blue castle. I think that's the best land. What? The common one? Yeah, where you get to rebuy a uh, an instant or sorcery. Well, you put it on on top of your library. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's very good. But you have to have three or more islands, so you can't do it until turn four earliest. That's true. That's true. It it, it is. I think, good. I think I think the of the common lands, that one is clearly the best one. Yeah, I think I, I think out of the castles. For standard, I think maybe the white one is the best. Just like a like a Legion's Landing that requires no setup cost seems really powerful to me. Yeah, it is very very Legion's Landing esque. I'm I gotta go with the red one. I just think the red one is gonna be very powerful. It just it reminds me too much of uh, Ramanap Ruins. Oh, yeah, I can see that too. Right there. I think that and standard. Good. I I think the the black one. Is probably the worst one because it kind of needs to be in an agreement. Like it's a very specific. Um, I think the white one maybe is similar. It's quite specific. It needs to be in an aggressive deck. I think. Or so does the red one. Yeah, but I mean, that's. I, I think you could also play the red one in like a mid-range deck if you wanted. The green one's pretty busted, but I don't know if it's going to be busted in standard. But I think in modern, it's like it's pretty strong. Yeah, I think it's 
not busted in standard, but it is definitely strong. Like a free ramp spell on your land is pretty, pretty good. I think the yeah, green one like, might be second best after the blue one or the red one. I'm not sure about my ranking. I'm, I'm going to say I'm gonna say red, green, blue, and then black and white at the end somewhere. In modern, the green one just lets you cast Prime Primeval Titan a turn earlier. Yes, that's true. In like Amulet, which plays like Ancient Stirrings and everything anyway. Which can get the land as well, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of insane. I mean, that's not really what you want to be doing though, right? I mean, you want to do other things, but it's good when you're not doing your main thing. Yeah, I mean, it's just a land. Like, it's just, you know what I mean? Yeah, and it, it can be untapped by Amulet as well, of course. Yeah, and I think Valakut will just play it too. It's just another consistent way to, to play a prime time a turn earlier in, in Scapeshift. Sure. It's not a mountain, though. Well, you would, you don't want your mountains in play before you scapeshift. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so it's good. But you need you need a critical mass of mountains in the deck, is what I mean. Yeah, but I'm but a, you could just replace like a uh, basic forest with this or something. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, I guess. So. Or it could just cut us. It could just be in place of a spell slot. Like it could be in place of a Kalanidar expedition or something like that. Yeah, that's that's pretty true. These that's what one of the cool things about these. Wouldn't you? Don't you want to be wrapping lands instead of ramping mana in? Uh, scape shift because I mean you can cast scape shifts early. Well, you're you're cast scape shifts. So scape shift is still for mana. You want to have yeah, but this cast uh, primeval primeval titan a turn early. And primeval titan gets you those lands. Yeah. So I think it's still fine. Yeah, I, I think it. I think it definitely has a, its place in modern. These lands are very pushed. Like the the idea that they only need to you only need one of the same type. Like they're check lands basically, right? They're they're te- they're templated the same way as the check lands that are rotating out basically. Uh, mm-hmm for them to be untapped so they're they're, you know that most of the time in the decks that want to play these they're only going to be tapped on turn one yeah uh i guess you don't want to have too many of them in your deck so that you don't draw more although it is important to note that they're not legendary so they don't they don't uh they don't clash in that way pretty bizarre that they're not legendary but i guess they just wanted them to be a bit better yeah yeah i guess it was for playability here i mean they're very clearly scream legendary but uh i guess whatever what do you guys think of Fable Passage? I don't think we talked about that one. No, we haven't really. I think it's really good. Obviously, it's excellent for decks in standard. Um, kind of has the same clause as the common, the common land. So you need three, three or more uh, other lands in play, but they can be any. They don't have to be basics or whatever. So it's kind of like the opposite of a um, what are they called? Like Inspiring Vantage and. Blackleaf. Fast lands. The what? Fast lands. Fast. Yes, it's slow land, slow fetch land. So it's, it's evolving wilds on turn one, two, and three, and then after that, it's just a better fetch land. No, because it only gets a basic land. Um, but it's a very good fetch land after turn three. Yeah, if there's a Golos deck, I could see this card being very good in it. I think there's definitely a Golos deck. I think F- Field of the Dead will continue to be an important card in standard and yeah this gives you two field field of the dead triggers yeah like that's awesome and obviously you ramp your lands very very quickly in that deck as well i know it's losing elvish rejuvenator but there are still three mana ramp uh options for you to use so i think this deck or this card is obviously an auto include in that i think it's just you can pretty much just put it in any any two color deck uh probably obviously three color decks really need this i don't know if three color decks can even exist probably only in like the the shards, right? Like Jund and stuff like that, because they have um, uh, whatever whatever color combinations have the temples can be three color. 
but they also maybe include some number of these and two color decks i would imagine want these as well unless you're like a very aggro deck and you need all your lands untapped on turn one but like i included this in in many of my decks here even some of the aggro decks like gruel or black green i think this is still worth including yeah totally agree i think this is going to see a lot of play no no modern play i'm assuming i can't imagine this would be played in modern yeah, i mean they they just got Prism- prismatic vista which basically does the same thing yeah it's pretty much a little better. better yeah prismatic vista is just better uh do you think that they ever considered putting Pros- prismatic vista in standard and then change it to this kind of yeah like i yeah i think prismatic vista would maybe be a little too good for standard i don't know yeah i think it would doesn't i could see i wouldn't be surprised though yeah if that if that had been the plan at some point doesn't this kind of uh put put a question mark next to the the idea that people have been spouting for years and years and years and i'm not saying like other people are doing it ridiculously i've said it myself we've said it on this podcast that wizards will never print fetch lands in standard again doesn't that kind of because like this is definitely going to be a ubiquitous card now i know that obviously you can only have max four of this in your deck whereas if you have a lot of fetch lands in standard maybe you have like eight or 12 in your deck um so it's a bit different but doesn't it doesn't it kind of make you wonder does make you wonder a little bit, yeah. I mean, this also doesn't enable the same kind of greediness that uh that the 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 real fetch lands or whatever you want to call them enables. You know what I mean in terms of being able to get jewels and and that that enabling like very easy three color decks and, and mediumly easy four color decks. Sure, this doesn't yeah. really do the same thing there. So well, in in my statement, I'm assuming that if they did ever put fetches in standard again, that they would not allow that to happen. Like they would wait for typed duels not to be in standard for the whole run of the uh, the fetch lands, and that it's just the shuffling problem we're talking about. Because th- to my understanding, that was the reason why they didn't want them back in standard again. Because the power level you can solve by just not having typed duels. Like th- very simple. Yeah. Don't do that. Uh, but I was of the understanding that the shuffling was actually at least a- an equal reason, if not more of a reason. And this kind of puts a question mark in that for me. Yeah, I think so. I think I think I think it's what you said. The fact that you can only play four of these, and as well the fact that not I think not every deck is going to want these. Whereas every every single deck in the format wants as as many fetch lands as it can play. Whereas only only like you know ag- super aggro decks aren't going to want this. For example. Yeah, that that is true. That's true. It is pretty specific. If you want to get excited over nothing, I mean, we're we are most like excited over something that may not happen. Uh, we are going back to Zendikar this time next year, and the next rotation we're going to see uh, these. So if there are no type two lands between now and then, and we put our fetches. So I I said this to Kieran on the episode where you were gone. Oh, okay. <laughs> Great minds. I have not listened back to that episode, unfortunately. And. Yeah, I think our conclusion was that probably not, again, because of previous discussions where it seemed unlikely that they would ever print fetch lands in standard again. But yeah, it does it does line up timeline-wise. Like, uh, it will be the rotation of the Ravnica block, so we won't have the, the shock lands in standard anymore. So it could be an opportunity for them to reprint fetch lands. But I made the point last time that... Um, they they do things with like surprise and expectations and establishing patterns and when we went back to zendikar last time they did not print fetch lands and that kind of disappointed everyone because i think uh when when people saw the cans fetches 
they were like, oh my god. And then the announcement of Battle for Zendikar, they were like, oh, we're going to get the Zen fetches reprinted. Great. But then it didn't happen. So Wizards kind of set an expectation there that Zendikar sets do not have to have fetches in the same way that uh, Ravnica sets do always contain the uh, the Shocklands. So they broke that expectation. So they can kind of do whatever they want. They don't have to have fetches, even though people definitely will speculate about it, as we are doing here. Uh, but I mean, they're equally as likely to to print the the other half of the uh, what, what did we end up calling them? The Battlelands. Yep. Yeah, Anglelands yeah. people call them. Yeah, but I think officially they ended up well, not officially, of course, but I think most people settled on Battlelands because a lot of people didn't like Danglelands. <laughs> Danglelands is a dumb name. Uh, points because I guess the the potential association between um, expectation, I guess, for fetch lands to be reprinted in Battlelands is probably a lot stronger uh, than. Uh, as it is now for the, for the next Zendikar set. So, yeah, if it didn't happen then, then it definitely won't happen next year. All right, well, I'm out of decks, so I think we have to wrap up this podcast, right? Yep. We've, uh, we've died to deck damage. <laughs> Milled ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> well, I do still have that Knight's deck, but I, I don't want to talk about that. Let me guess, it has four tournament grounds in it. It does, yes. Goddamn genius. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only way it works. And it also has uh, 12 one-drops, all of which are different colors. Not all of which, like 4, 4, and 4 are different colors. But now I want to see this deck with uh, with 12 separate ones that are somehow all different <laughs> colors. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a great deck. All right, let's wrap it up here. Uh, unless you guys have anything more to say. I do not. Um, Tron is very difficult to play, I finally admit it. And I apologize to Al for any comments I may have made otherwise. For years of abuse. Exactly. Right, we have that. We have that on record now. Maybe uh, next week. Obviously, we'll we'll be giving our impressions of of uh, of standard, but also we we might do a little dive into modern and uh, see what how you're getting on, Kieran. How I'm getting on with the Mardu Shadow. Oh, actually, there was there was one little piece of news before we finish, uh, which was the announcement of the the tournament or the event in Arena. Did you guys see this? The event where you can win one of every card in standard. It's pretty good. Class. Yeah, pretty cool idea. Yeah, so check that out. Again, I'll, I'll link the article in the in the show notes. It's from the State of the Game uh, article on the Mothership. So uh, yeah, that'll that'll do it for us this week. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with us, you can send us an email, uh, skullcrack at gmail.com. Sorry, skullcrackpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, we have an email this week, very, very short, from uh, Namata GG, one of our loyal listeners always send, sends us in some stuff very short just uh in response to what we're looking forward to from the next set namada says that uh, they are interested in food tribal so hope you hope you got some enjoyment out of what i was talking about earlier with oko and gilded goose and what have you and uh they also say here you guys go do your zombies planeswalkers dragon balls etc dragon balls what uh i'm going to 100 life i'm playing cooking mama well cooking mama is a very good game so yes uh do do your best to emulate cooking mama in in uh in magic i'm more of an uh, overcooked fan personally yeah overcooked is pretty good actually have you played overcooked 2 i have not no okay well maybe we'll play that when i get back to ireland okay uh, oh, hell yeah. that's do it for us uh, you can also contact contact us on twitter twitter uh, dot com forward slash skullcrack or at skullcrack and uh, that will do it for us this week thanks for listening bye bye Bye.
right, so you boys mentioned some other games, games that are not Magic the Gathering there at the end of the podcast. And I have a tournament report from a game that is not Magic. Uh, this game is a card game. This game is Code Names. And this is my first time playing it, and it is absolutely fantastic. And I have an absolutely incredible turn that happened the very first round of the game. Uh, so two teams of four. I'll go very quickly, if someone hasn't, if anyone doesn't know uh, the premise of, of Code Names. Uh, basically, it's 25 tiles are laid out, 25 cards are laid out, each with like, kind of different words. Um, just being a of stuff like words like you know, kangaroo, spider, mammoth, uh, uh, parts, and, and Australia, kind of words like that. 25 words are spread out. Uh, you have two teams, one person for each team is a code, code master, I think. Uh, and they're both given, they're both kind of secretly given uh, which teams are uh, for their team and which code names are for their person's team. So basically, you have to try and say one word that links. Uh, as many of these, as many of your colors uh, uh, without uh, accidentally giving a clue that makes someone on your team pick uh, the, wrong co- the wrong code name, because that could be, you know, they could be given the other, the other fair point. Um, well, we could go very deep into, into the strategy if, if, if you want. But basically, um, it's, you kind of have this kind of a uh, risk reward kind of thing where if you say, uh, if, you, if you give a code, if you attempt to uh, link uh, four different code names with one clue, get a lot of points doing that way, you're going get, to get a big advantage doing that. You do run the risk of uh, accidentally hitting yeah, you know, an, an opposing uh, your opposing team's names. But there's also one uh, out of the 25, uh, one of the code names is assigned uh, as the assassin name. So if you accidentally, if you give a clue and your team accidentally says the assassin one, uh, then you just you just lose straight away. And I'm on a board. Uh, I have so our team we're very very far ahead. We're in a very very comfortable position. Comfortable position. I'll give an example of kind of just one. Um, I'll give this very fast. Obviously, an example of one play. I made so we had I had about five uh, names left. Uh, one of them was uh, kangaroo, and Dura was spider. So it's like oh, it'll be very straightforward to link those two together by saying uh, animal. But um, one code that was on my was on your opponent's team was uh, mammoth. So I was like oh, if I say if I say um, two names that are animals, they might say mammoth before they say spider, or they might say kangaroo uh, and mammoth, and yeah, not say spider. So uh, I don't want that to happen. So in order to link those two together while excluding mammoth, Australia, which that worked. That was a nice, easy one, and that worked very well. So you 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 followed it so far. Well, obviously you use your head play the game. Yeah. So I had three left. One of them was uh, tails, T A I L S. So I was about to just say Sonic. I was thinking, yeah, Sonic. So I, to just give a clue for this one word, uh, I was going to say Sonic because Sonic is what we, we, we say. Sonic, people immediately think tails. However, uh, the word ring, R I N G, ring was the assassin, and I was about to say Sonic, but I was like, no, there's no way. Uh, if I say Sonic, if they think Ring before they think of Tails being associated with Sonic, uh, we'll lose immediately. So I've tried to make do whatever plan I can. I can't make sure that we go nowhere near the word Ring. Uh, so I say uh, Coxix, uh, you know, Tailbone, uh, which people get, and they say Tail. That's fine. Um, so let's come towards the end. Uh, I, even though we're very far ahead, I could play it safe and just do kind of one one clue for each word. Uh, but then I'm also kind of feeling like you know, I I spend you know every waking moment of my life thinking about strategizing for this other particular. Uh, card game. I'm sure I can figure out a way to link these last two words together. So the two words I need to link together are the words tablet and parts. Okay, so it, obviously as the game goes on, it's harder to link, you know, two lone uh, words like that together because you're, you're, there's two associations, associations to be made. So I go, I go deep into the tank. I'm thinking, you know, I could, I need to figure out a way to link these two together uh, in a way that doesn't make, you know, the players accidentally say ring. Um, so I'm like, you know, I I work in drug manufacturing, so I have lots of different uh, kind of complex um, technical terms that would link them together very well, but I'm like, well, you know, people are going to know that. Uh, I eventually, so I eventually land on the word capsule because like capsule is like, you know, you have 
you can have kind of a, you know, two-piece gel capsules that have you know, kind of separate parts in them. Capsule, people think tablet, uh, and probably will think parts. But then I'm also thinking, you know, like, what a capsule is, like, how many people, how many people would actually have picked up a capsule and, like, looked at it, looked at it inside it? So I'm thinking, you know, can I do one thing better? Well, I'm not necessarily one thing better than a capsule, but if I go along the same line, if I think of a medication or a drug that everybody takes, that everybody takes on a, on a on regular basis, that comes in two different tablets, that comes in two different parts. So what I land on, where this is going? No. I, I land on Uniflu because uh. there's a tab, those are tablets and they come in two different parts. <laughs> a Uniflu and I sit back, I'm like, right, we got it. They get tablets straight away. As time's ticking down, they're thinking, they're looking at all the other words. Because there's a whole other, there's a whole lot of other words there. Another word, another neutral word, which Sir Loud hit is a hook. They ring. If they, if they say ring, we lose. Uh, if they say hook, it's just, we just pass a turn, but we're, we're fine. Uh, so they're thinking, they're looking at everything. They go through each one. They look at parts and then they say, maybe parts? No, not parts. And they move off it. And I'm like, all right, this is so bad. You know, we can just win the next, the next turn. And then someone on the team says, oh, what about that Uniflu ad? One, two, Uniflu. I did not consider that ad at all. And they're like, oh, yeah, with the two boxers, you know, maybe like they're fighting like a right hook. Uh, and then someone says, oh, but they're fighting in a boxing ring. God. And uh, they, once someone said boxing ring, they all immediately agreed that that was exactly what it was I was trying to do. Uh, and they decided uh, they landed on a, on a ring. Uh, and we went from the position of being so far ahead uh, that we, I really didn't need to make this risk. But uh, we just lost it because uh, because of ring. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, was I took a risk I didn't need to take. <laughs> I didn't think I, I overthought the situation. I didn't think it. I both overthought and didn't think uh, didn't think it through. Um, but it was a great moment. Everyone just went absolutely crazy when I revealed that that was the, the assassin, and uh, we lost our very very comfortable lead. I mean, I think it's GG. a leap for your team to think boxing ring in that situation. No, that's I. I was thinking I would go there straight away because that's the only thing I know about Uniflu is the boxing ring ad. Yeah, I was. Also, yeah, I was also thinking one two Uniflu because I know the ad, but then that would all, that would make me think parts like I wanted because it's in two parts. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Because I, I was thinking of the actual one two. Yeah, the two different two different parts of the tablet. Uh, yeah, I, did, I didn't even I didn't even know that's why it's called why it is one two uniform flu though I've no I didn't even know it was different things ah okay and a lot of people uh, yeah after a lot of people said oh I never saw it that was before I just know the ad maybe I take more EU food than most people oh well another another yeah it was very shortly briefly another very very amusing moment like that was uh we had a, a new board new player um the clue he wanted to give was for dinosaur the one clue for a dinosaur. And uh, the, the assassin, and it was also, I know, he's going first. He's giving a clue for dinosaur. So if you say one word associated with dinosaur, there's obviously a million words you can say that will make someone immediately say dinosaur. Yeah. Um, but the word he chose, instead of choosing triceratops, he chose uh, annihilation, which that makes that makes absolutely perfect sense of the dinosaurs. But then, you know, it's very easy to do more overthinking. You're like, all right, maybe he means dinosaurs. Oh, wait, no. If he had said dinosaurs, uh, he would have said a better word than annihilation. And then everybody went back to the thinking game, going through everything, just taking up one, one out of the 25 words associated with dinosaur, going through all the different words. Um, eventually, when someone realizes that, uh, uh, this, is, this is their opposing team, by the way, I wasn't involved, I wasn't involved in this. Uh, one of them realizes that, oh, maybe he's thinking about the movie, movie of animation. Uh, it's like a horror kind of sci-fi movie, kind of looking at kind of some sci-fi things, the time's ticking down. Uh, one of the words there is life. There's like, I think they're going through different, three different things to think about life. Life as being something that's part of the movie and it's you know, something that can be annihilated. Uh, and it's kind of an abstract, abstract term that um, you'd say annihilation to, to connect it with. Uh, and eventually they land on annihilation. 
And uh, that turned out to be the assassin. So they lost on the very, very first turn. No. Everyone was just like, why did you not just say Triceratops? <laughs> it was... You not saying Triceratops was information we gained and we assumed it wasn't dinosaurs. We completely ruled out dinosaurs <laughs> for that very reason. It is, it is a cool game for how it makes you try to think about how a specific person thinks and what what they're trying to tell you. Uh, one of the worst things about the game, I think, is that the person who gives the clue obviously can't show any reactions to what they're seeing going on. I, I think it kind of encourages the, per- the person who's giving the clue to like turn around or go away into another room, which is kind of bad, but mm, whatever. It's still a fun game. I prefer the picture version. If you get a chance to play that, do that one. Uh, there, is, there is a dirty version. Oh, you interested in that? All right, I maybe will. Uh, <laughs> maybe we'll save that for a, uh, a special night. I don't know what that means. <laughs> okay. Crack after crack dark. after dark. Spoke <laughs> <laughs> in the same joke. <laughs> after dark. Okay, well that's that's going to be our code names tournament reports from Al. Thank you, Al, and that's going to do it for us this week. Bye bye.